0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Final Tackle Podcast. And we are joined by a very special guest. He was the 1999 number one AFL draft pick, Josh Fraser. Thank you very much for joining us.
1: Uh, pleasure. Thanks for having me on.
0: Nah, mate. Pleasure's all mine. Um, so let's get stuck into it. Your junior days, grassroots, whatever you want to call it, with Mansfield and Murray Bush Rangers. What was it like growing up and playing in that uh, district competition?
1: Uh, my pathway into the AFL, was probably not dissimilar to most. I mean, I love playing footy from such a young age. Um, you know, some of the best times in my, in my sporting journey, I guess was you know my junior days where um, footy is everything to a young boy um, or girl at the moment in the current climate. Hey,
0: isn't that amazing? The AFLW and how far that's come.
1: Uh, it's unbelievable. And it's, um, you know, uh, You only probably wish it was the same way, you know, when you were coming through as a junior because you can only imagine where that women's competition would be now. But it's a pretty exciting path that the young girls are on currently. But, um, yeah, I mean, I love junior footy. Um, Grew up in Mansfield, northeast Victoria. Um, And, yeah, I was just one of those kids that couldn't get enough of footy. I grew up on a farm. So um, when I wasn't sort of helping dad around the farm on my sort of spare time, I I had the footy in my hand and I was – and you had up. the height for it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So setting up goalposts and kicking goals and all that sort of stuff. All the stuff that most um, most AFL players or aspiring AFL players do. So really fortunate. I was at a, a great club, Mansfield Footy Club. is a terrific footy club. Um, look, I was fortunate enough to work my way through some of those um, development pathways and find myself at the Murray Bush Ranges um, in the TAC Cup under-18 competition. And um, from there, found myself at the Magpies. But yeah, as I said, some of my fondest moments or memories um, of my sporting journey was playing junior footy at Mansfield.
0: Yeah, and well, um, if you like, tell us some of the highlights and, you know, some of your favourite memories of playing for Mansfield. Is there, you know, like a specific game or a specific, you know, time when you played for them that sticks out in your memory?
1: Oh, we played finals. We had a reasonable side, so I remember playing finals and, you know, to, to go across the Shepparton and play finals on a ground like the Deakin Reserve, you know, you got to remember at a as a 12-, 13-, 14-year-old and, and travelling to play footy on a good venue. That was quite exciting at the time. Mm. So, um, you know, we had some some really good matches against, you know, what we, we used to term their rivals in Shepherd and East at the time. And um, so, you know, Mansfield, I remember mainly, you know, some of my best memories were just spending the whole day at the footy club. So you'd play your junior footy and you'd be there the whole day right through all the And you watched games the reserves from, and all that sort of stuff. Lot. Yeah, yeah. So that was... That's awesome, and um, you know, now living um, in the city in uh, in Melbourne, I noticed the difference with that. So, country footy very much still has that ingrained in them. Your juniors and your seniors, and and it's a little bit more detached in the metropolitan league. Mm. So, that's an interesting thing to to observe. Yeah. yeah, I love the community aspect of of country footy. And Mansfield was a great footy club, as I mentioned. And um, yeah, I guess the fondest memories were just playing with my mates, getting to go and play on different grounds, getting to travel. Playing against some of our um our bigger rivals, um, and we getting played the win often, over them. <laughs> getting a win over them. and you can imagine for anyone that's been to Mansfield, it's um you know, middle of winter, pretty cold, just the foothills of Mount Buller. so yeah, um, not yeah, fun, those, off
0: yeah, fun depending which way you look at it.
1: Yeah, no, it was all right, it was okay, but you can imagine, um, imagine the sort of mornings we were playing in, quite brisk and cold, but mm. um, loved every minute of it. Yeah, just love footy.
0: Nah, no, absolutely, that's great, and obviously. The playing in the TAC Cup under under 18s brought you to the pinnacle of your AFL career, being the number one draft pick in for the '99 season um, for Collingwood. First of all, what was it like being that number one draft pick, and were you told like prior, like on the on the day of, or was it as they say and as you see it on TV? You know, like you find out when we find out, sort of thing. And what was it like for you, first of all, on the day, and also dealing with that as a, for lack of a term, possible burden throughout the season?
1: Yeah. So, um, my draft year, I remember, obviously there was a lot of, um, talk about potentially going number one. Um, and I didn't necessarily get any indication from Collingwood that they would take me. And I think Fremantle had maybe three of the next, or sorry, two of the next five picks or whatever it might've been. They had a pretty early hand in the draft. So, um, They said to me that if Collingwood didn't take me, I would have gone to Perth. So I would have been playing for Fremantle. Um, But Collingwood didn't give me a lot of indication, I think right up until the eve of the draft and um, it became a little bit clearer. So that was, um, yeah, that was an incredible time really. You know, I think in some ways achieving a goal and a dream to, to be drafted to an AFL club Probably to share it with friends and family, um, and you know, a community in Mansfield was great. Um, but you know, I didn't necessarily feel the burden um, okay. at that point in time. I was quite excited, you were just
0: stoked and, to make an AFL team, sort of just,
1: thing. Just stoked to be drafted. Yeah, I really was. And look, I, I think from memory, you know, I really did want to go as that number one pick. I, I um, that was something that I wanted, and that's
0: also a dream as well.
1: Well, yeah, well, so, early days it was absolutely and. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit later, but, um, the first couple of years I was, um, really naive to the pressure and the burden and the expectation that you touched on. And, um, that was probably some of the best times for me, um, when you really just don't have much idea of what's going on outside of, you know, the external footy club and you're just focused on what you're doing. And, um, and then you start to feel a bit of pressure and you start to hear some criticism. You're maybe not meeting expectations. And then as you mentioned, um, that burden becomes quite real. And I was probably one player that, um, you know, as I sit here now and reflect, I probably didn't handle it that well.
0: Okay. Um, And if you don't mind me asking, by all means, um, you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but um, how did you deal with that burden once you realized or or not really realized, but started feeling like it was a possible burden for you?
1: Yeah. um, No, I didn't deal with it that well. And I think um, one of the things now in my coaching I've got a much better handle on being able to have conversations with players and help them work through any difficulties so for me it became a really a a fear of failure and a a performance um, anxiety type of thing and you know wanting to go out there and and sort of make sure I met everyone else's expectations and um, I never really found any ways to narrow my focus Um, I never really um, communicated how much I was struggling with it at different times. Um, so the Monday to Friday stuff I was fine with because I was training and, you know, there's no real critique of your training as such. You, you're just out there and you're trying to get yourself ready to perform and, and that anxiety would slowly build through the week. And then, um, yeah, it had what I would look back now. It really had an adverse effect on, um, on match day performances and look, it ebbed and flowed a little bit. I feel like at times I was able to manage it reasonably well. Um, and I do remember running out at different stages, and my thought process was put yourself back at Mansfield, put yourself back, and you're just going out and playing footy like you always yep. have. And that was. And
0: was it on those days that you were thinking that that you played better?
1: Um, I, I I couldn't tell you if I played better, but I just found like there for a period of time it sort of calmed me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, um, again, I think I it took me too long in into my career to actually seek out some. Some help and talk to different people and find ways through that, and that's just a normal journey of a footballer. Yeah. Some players can handle it better than others, um, no doubt. the The pressure that comes with being a number one pick is real. Oh, absolutely,
0: in yeah. any sport, absolutely.
1: Of course, it is, and that's and that's fine. That's what it is. That's what you sign up for. Um, so I'm not bitter about that. I'd probably more um, disappointed in myself that I probably didn't um, find ways to deal with it sooner.
0: No, that's fair. That's fair enough. And to anyone who, um, you know, maybe going through s- such similar extreme things or extreme thought patterns, whether it's, you know, um, fear of failure or whatever, I'll blink any type of, um, you know, services that need to be addressed in the description to anyone who's listening. Uh, when this episode goes up, uh, is there any sort of organizations that you would recommend?
1: Look, to be honest, I, the thing that worked for me and I know, um, yeah, we're much better educated now than what maybe we were um, 10, 15 years ago. And yeah. there are some significant um, organizations that can really help people deal with those things. And for me, it was more, it was more finding my own way a little bit, which wasn't necessarily healthy, but probably just discovering some, um, I'm not sure courage is the right word, but getting myself to a point where I was comfortable to go and speak to someone about how I was feeling. Um, sure. Okay footy clubs now are so much better in that space. Mm, yeah. Just um, fantastic, you know. So the club's almost proactive towards the player, whereas when I started, it was more the player had to be proactive. And I don't even think mental health was spoken about, to be honest, when I started. No, okay. Um, so it was a not a taboo topic, but no. it just wasn't as um, in vogue as what it is now. And, um, yeah, I think having that um, – self-awareness, I guess, to, to reach out and speak to people and um, find a support network that can help you through those difficult times. It's easier said than done. Oh, absolutely. Um, but that worked for me for a while.
0: No, that's good. So find your why sort of thing. Do you reckon? Is that a, a yeah. good summary of that?
1: Yeah. Look, we, I mean, we had a, a sports psychologist at the club, Simon Lloyd, who <laughs> he's now the football manager at Geelong and he was one person that helped me through um, two or three year period there where I was really struggling. Um, and really what it was, was just sitting down with him and, and talking through how I was feeling and discovering why I was feeling that way. And he was probably the one that um, I guess brought it out in me a little bit. Um, and that's the first step to, um, you know, getting yourself back on track, sort of acknowledging that, you know, you might be struggling in a few areas.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, enough of that topic, because that's honestly, I think, everything that we could cover for that so far. Unless there's – is there more that you would like to talk about with that topic or you're good to continue?
1: No, not specifically. I mean, I I don't sit here um, pretending that um, what I went through was any different to anyone else. It's – you know, I think it's – you live and learn. And um, as I said, in the fortunate position I've been in for the last seven years to coach, I feel like I come from a really strong – position where I've got some empathy for the struggles that players go through and, um, you know, probably dialed in to being more proactive with having those conversations with them to see how they're traveling.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, You would definitely be a massive help at any club you're at, uh, which brings up the topic of you're currently these days with Carlton and their VFL program. Uh, What exactly is your role there? And um, yeah, talk about that.
1: Yeah. So I, I was, I was with Carlton for the last five years. And then um, when COVID uh, hit, um, I was one of a number of casualties in the footy industry. So uh, my employment there finished up along with um, at that time, what was a VFL alignment. So Carlton reserves aligning with the Northern Blance. So that alignment finished, my employment finished, um, but my role was purely around development. So working with, in essence, the whole list around developing their game. And the other part of that role was coaching their VFL team on a weekend. So, um, love the role. Um, really love working with players. For me, I had the best of both worlds. You work with individuals to help improve them individually. And then you get the chance to coach a collective group on a weekend, which, you know, I love the match day stuff as well. Um, so, that finished up in March last year. Um, COVID was a shocking time for everyone. Oh, it yeah, you know, So, and footy industry wasn't immune. Um, so there's a number of really quality people and coaches that unfortunately lost their positions. Um, so during last year, I I was one of probably four or five people that um, saw the demise of the Northern Bull Ants as yep. a result of Carlton ending the alignment. And at Northern Bull Ants is a club that's nearly 140 years of age in the mm. Victorian Footy League. Yep. And it was basically on its knees and um, yeah, I was one of a group of people that thought this thing's worth saving and let's see if it's possible to try and keep it alive. So cut a long story short, um, after a lot of hard work and um, really incredible people behind it, we've been able to keep that footy club alive. Oh wow, that's uh, amazing. In the the VFL and um, I'm coaching them this year in their return to being a standalone club.
0: Oh, that's awesome and how are they going so far?
1: been as, well, we've been going okay. I mean, we, um, you know, as you can imagine, it's our first year back on our own. Um, we've got an incredible young playing list. Um, footy clubs had to work really hard, not only on field, but off field to find corporate support and hmm. membership. And, um, you know, everything you could imagine would go into starting a sporting organisation um, we've had to deal with. So
0: Absolutely. we had our
1: first win on the weekend.
0: Hey, got on ya! Who was yeah, that against
1: it was, Ironically, it was against Carlton. Um, <laughs> wow! So, um, but look, we feel like we've been building towards it, and oh, we've got a, a really young group. But um, I'm enjoying working with them, and we'll see um, see what happens after this year. But um, I was really committed to try and help the Footy Club get their get themselves off the ground this season.
0: That's absolutely awesome, and again, it's kind of maybe a. Um, a bit of a full circle that you guys defeated um, Carlton as your first win. So that's amazing. Um, t- going back to a bit of your playing time in 2000, you, it was your debut season, um, played 21 games for Collingwood and you got the best and fairest for Collingwood. And it was your first year. What was the whole first season like for you?
1: Yeah. So I won the, I think my first year was the best first year player award. Yep. Um, okay, yep. Yeah. So, um, no, it was incredible. I mean, um, again, I was really naive to everything as well. So I came in full of confidence. Um, not cockiness, but I was confident. I wanted to play from the get-go. I guess in hindsight, I um, i probably wish I hadn't have. I wish I had have spent some time potentially developing um, in the reserves for a little while. But at the same time, you know, I mean, an opportunity presents and you want to grab hold of it. Yep. So I was really thankful for that Um had a, you know, Mick Mouldhouse was the coach of Collingwood, um, an unbelievable coach, really successful, um, you know, playing with the likes of Nathan Buckley, Gavin Brown, um, Scott Burns, Anthony Rocker. I mean, the list goes on. Whole so, list,
0: like that list was my childhood, Is yeah. was watching them play.
1: Well, we and we had an incredible side. And when you think about the footy club finished on the bottom of the ladder in 1999 and played in a grand final in 2002.
0: Well, played two grand finals.
1: Two grand finals. Yeah. So um, yeah, that 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 actual side we don't have the premiership medallion in the show for it, but that was a pretty special. Well, it's grand. amazing
0: to just make the grand final, given you were the spooners of just a few years beforehand.
1: Agree, yeah, agree. And look, Mick Mick should take a lot of credit um, as the coach at the time, but you know, also the playing group. I think the way we gelled and came together was incredible. Um, yeah, you know, the footy club was really just starting, starting to grow and, and explode. I think the stuff Eddie McGuire was doing yep. um, to build the profile of the club and to ensure its um, sustainability. I mean, he's I got so much time and respect for Ed. I just think he's um, yeah, he, he gets a raw deal often. Um,
0: well, he does, he does. He but...
1: does, but you know, I don't, I don't know if anyone's matched um, in terms of a club. I don't think anyone's matched the contribution he's made to a mm. footy club in terms of what he was able to do for Collingwood. And he's a fantastic person, very supportive. Um, So, yeah, things were building and um, I was really, again, I'm fortunate to be a part of it. Like I sit here right now and talk about some of the challenges I had, but, you know, being a part of the Collingwood footy club, um, playing with some unbelievable players, being coached by one of the great coaches um, and being a part of, uh, as they call the Collingwood army for 10, 11 years, I was really fortunate, and I'm I'm really proud of that that time.
0: What team did you follow growing up though? Was it Collingwood?
1: No, I barrack for Geelong. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I think I've always barrack for Geelong. I can't actually tell you why. Um, mm-hmm. Might have had something to do with Gary Ablett Senior um, being the champion player he was, but yeah, always barrack for the Cats. And but you know when the draft rolled around, I was. I wasn't, you know. I need to play for Geelong. I want to play. Yeah, you're for- just
0: like whoever I go to, I go to
1: wherever I go, mate. I just want to play AFL. Nah, that's it.
0: But that's that's really interesting to find out because a lot of players, you know, usually play end up playing for the team that they followed, um, you know. But it's interesting to find out that you know you followed a different team and. Um, 2010, unfortunately, was your last season with Collingwood. Um, unfortunately, didn't play in the grand final. However, I, I would like to ask about the vibe around the team that year because we do know in now in hindsight it was a grand final winning year for Collingwood. What type of vibe was in the club around that year and for most of the season? Because they say that there's, you know, the winning attitude and, you know, you get on that role of positivity. Was that sort of vibe there with the club that season?
1: Yeah, it was. um there was just an invincibility around the group. You know, there was a belief that every week they they or we could go out and play um, our way and we could beat anyone in front of us. Um, and I was part of that for maybe half the season, the first half, and then um, fell out of favour through injury and a few other factors. But, um, you know, I remember watching them play when I was out of the team and I was so envious that I just wanted to be part of it because they were playing a brand of footy that, um, you know, was really just setting the standard throughout the competition. So Yeah, it was. Yeah, and you felt – look, you did – you felt like each as each week went past, you know, something more was building and heading towards finals. And yet you just got the sense that the timing was right and um, the group that was out there was gelling. Um, and it's funny, you know, like you look at 2010 and um, – if not for a bounce of the ball, St Kilda probably wins that first game. I absolutely yeah. agree.
0: I've always said that. Which is, you if know, there was extra time like there is now, St yeah. Kilda would have won it that day, unfortunately. Yeah.
1: Well, I remember that ball going inside 50, and I think Benny Johnson was one side of the footy and Stephen Milne was the other, and it only had to bounce Stephen Milne's way, and he was going to kick a goal. And I think it might have even bounced out of bounds. Or like it just took one of those crazy sort of dog leg bounces. And um, yeah, the game finishes in a draw and then the way, again, like sitting here now as a coach, and I didn't appreciate this much at the time as a player, mm. but sitting here now as a coach and looking back how you know, Mick and Eddie and the whole footy club handled that draw and then the following week, um, I'm not surprised that the club went out and dropped the result they did.
0: Exactly. The, like the game day of game of day, like the word vomit of the actual, not the replays. so the first game, it, it was a, a bit of a tense moment, but that whole week following in the, like for the replay as a Collingwood fan myself, it was, I had nothing but confidence in the team, even though I will always say, I believe if there had been a bit of extra time, Saints would have won it that day on game day one, but game yeah. day two, Collingwood just come out and they were just so, like you were saying that confident of invincibility They had that vibe of we're going to win this no matter what. And then they blew them out of the water.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it was, yeah, the irony in all of it is that bounce of the ball in the first grand final, you know, the law of averages suggests it bounce into Stevie Milne's hands and he kicks a goal and some kill to win. But um, footy has a funny way too of, um, you know, sorting itself out. And yeah, you're right. So after that drawn grand final, I just got the sense there was no way that we were going to lose that second one. And um, yeah, I think the performances um, indicated that. So... Yeah, really incredible time for the club. I remember post-game, you know, I'm not sure exactly where I was driving, but we was heading sort of down Swan Street way and the sea of people and the black and white um, scarves and flags. And, you know, it was just incredible to look back on now. And again, at the time, I was probably didn't fully appreciate it. And I was probably a little bit, still a little bit disappointed that I wasn't part of it in many respects. But looking back at it now, it was just an incredible time for the footy club.
0: That's true. But also, um, a a lot of players um, sometimes aren't, you know, in the team, whether it's due to injury or whatever, when it comes to finals time, but every single player that plays even one game in a grand final season has everything to do with the club during those, you know, grand final seasons, such as Richmond and Collingwood. So you definitely played a massive part of the team, even though it may not have been during finals footy. Um, So first of all, thank you very much for being part of that team that got us to the grand final that year.
1: I appreciate it, mate. And, yeah, look, it wasn't... You know, Shane O'Brien missed out. Tarkin Lockyer, yeah, I think Leon Davis missed out.
0: And he missed out on the second one, yeah, on the replay. Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: in the replay. Simon Prestagio came out. So there was some unbelievable... I think Scotty Burns might have retired the year earlier too. Like, mm. Scotty Burns is a champion of that footy club. So... Um, and Bucks, you know, yeah, I think he just might have been in the coach's box that day. So, um, yeah, you're everyone... Um, I guess everyone tends to, at times, think about your own personal situation. I was probably guilty of that in the moment. But, you know, you, you live and learn and you look back and, you know, you're just thrilled to have been a part of it in some way. And, um, look, it's not the same. You can't sit there and say that, you know, you're a part of it and you didn't play. It doesn't feel the same, you know. It certainly doesn't. But I, I agree in the sense that I think it, it takes a whole list, playing list. Whole squad, that, yep. Yeah, to, to achieve some success. And, um, you know, although it's not the same in a select group, get to represent the club, um, you know, I think most players on that list in that year can look back and and say that they were a part of something special.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And talking about Buckley, what was he like as a teammate?
1: Um, Incredibly driven. Um, he was the first... When I'd been drafted and turned up the Victoria Park, he was the first player I met ran into. I think he might have been entering the club at the same time. Um and yeah, I was uh I would say I was in awe, but um, you know, I was almost pinching myself. You know, the first person you meet is Nathan Buckley. And um watching the way he went about his footy, I'm not sure if I've seen anyone go about it in a similar way. Um he had an intensity about him, he had a professionalism about him. Um, he probably didn't always connect with his teammates because he was so driven and potentially couldn't quite understand why others weren't the same which okay. you know I can respect now too I sort of <laughs> can see see that as well um
0: like he put in his extras and wondered why some weren't doing extras sort of thing
1: yeah and I think it all came from a place of um just great intentions he wanted the footy club to be successful and he and he probably more than most of the playing group had an idea of what that should look like. So in many respects, he was ahead of his time. Yeah. Um, so he was dealing with a lot of guys who, you know, probably didn't quite see a vision or see how to get to that vision. Mm-hmm. And he was frustrated that they couldn't buy into what he saw. And I I respect that and I can see how that would play out. Um, but he's a quality person. Like he, He's a terrific person, um, incredibly driven, um, I think he's improved himself over a long period of time, particularly when he went into the coaching ranks. he became more empathetic, more understanding. Um, and yeah, I, I don't have any bad things to say about Bucks. I think he's, um, he's champion of the game. He's a champion of Collingwood and I think the way he handles himself um, you know, probably sets a standard and sets a tone for everyone. I think he's incredibly classy in the way he deals with, with things.
0: Absolutely. And I agree tenfold. I had the pleasure of meeting him when I was a kid watching Collingwood and it's just, you know, made me in awe. Like you said, you were in awe when you met him on your first day at Collingwood. I was in awe from the first moment that I met him really. Um, Now, Anzac Day games, obviously before there was multiple games on Anzac Day, there was the traditional and still is the traditional Collingwood Essendon. You played in a few of them. Uh, First of all, is there any memorable one in particular for you and what was it like compared to Grand Final Day because you had played in a few Grand Finals?
1: Uh, very hard to compare the two. I mean, it is yeah, it is an occasion, so there's a build-up to it. There's a an energy about the day, and I think it's really symbolic. So to be... Anytime you're a part of something symbolic and you get a chance to go and play a great game like Australian Rules Football, you should feel really proud um, to be a part of that. So there's, um, there's certainly some significance to it. Um with regards to comparing it to finals, I find it it's different. It's different. Okay. There's the atmosphere. There's the build-up. You uh, get
0: up for it, but different sort of thing. It's
1: different. Yeah, yeah, it's different. Um, I can't really articulate how, but there <laughs> is to it. um In terms of one that stands out, there's probably not one that stands out. I mean, um, yeah, we had some fantastic victories. I think we won a game in the wet one year. I can't remember what year it was, but um, – you know, I think Essendon, regardless of where Essendon and Collingwood were on the ladder, um, they were always really tight tussles. Always, always, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think uh, Mick and Sheeds did an unbelievable job of making sure that they built the game up really well. Um, I guess, uh, I guess, probably one of my <laughs> one of my memories, not a good one, is. Um, <laughs> I think Paddy Ryder might have won the Anzac Day medal playing against me one year. I think he had 14 tackles. Um, oh. And uh, he was only a young player coming through. He, he's, yeah, he was fantastic on the day. And I think we might have we might have lost that one. So that one stands out for a few of the wrong reasons. But um, yeah, really fortunate to be a part of those, those days. That's for sure.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, I know for myself, I hold Anzac Day... Um, for the game day in particular, because Collingwood in massive, massive high regard, I always make sure I'm home or wherever I am, I can watch it. Um, it's such an amazing thing. Now at the end of 2010, you jetted up to the Gold Coast to play for the Gold Coast Suns. What was it like um, with the atmosphere of that club being compared to Collingwood and in general, um, you know, fresh start sort of thing. What was it like for you?
1: Yeah, I was chalk and cheese. I mean, you go from arguably the biggest club in, in the land, um, not only football related, but in any code. Um, And then you're going up to a foundation club that's starting from scratch. And I guess my motivation to go up there, I first had a good relationship with Guy McKenna, who um, was the inaugural coach up there. Mm -hmm. My motivation to go up there was probably more around um, moving into coaching and what I thought was to go up there and experience working with such a young group. And um, I think getting out of Melbourne was an, um, an appealing thing to do at the time as well. Um, but yeah, I just sort of felt like I needed to get out of Melbourne. Um, don't have any regrets about it. I guess there's always a party that probably would like to finish a one club player, but I think you know, my time at the pies then had, had probably come to a close and, um, you know, it was such a steep learning curve, up on the Gold Coast, but again, you know, you move into another environment, you learn so much about yourself, you learn so much about building a footy club, what, what that entails, what that takes. And I was fortunate that, you know, um, Guy McKenna gave me a chance to start, I guess, in many ways, my my coaching journey and and work with a young group and and try and help develop some of those players.
0: Absolutely. And that sounds like it definitely benefited you, not just as a coach, but also, as you said, as a foundation club, you would have um, seen a, a, a bid that would have actually helped benefit you for this year with the Bull Ants, bringing them back sort of thing.
1: Yeah, that's a fair point. Absolutely. And I, even when I got to Carlton, I mean, I got there when Bolts, Brendan Bolton started. So that was in effect a complete reset as well. You know, but, um, the list turnover that happened there over two or three year period was, was huge. So yeah, it did. And you, it makes you reflect on your own journey and things that you do differently and the interactions you've had with coaches and how you'd handle certain situations. And, um, you know, spending two years up there as a player and then another two years as a development coach up there was um, for me, was a great grounding for for my coaching. That's for sure.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, Now steering a bit away from your playing now to some fun sort of questions. Who was the biggest pest at, At Collingwood and at the Gold Coast, whether it was because they were a prankster or just they wouldn't shut up during training or, you know, sort of thing?
1: Um, Well, at the Pies, obviously, the Rat Pack were um, in full flight. So, and they weren't, I wouldn't consider them pests. They were just, they were full of energy. Like he's Larrikins. They were Larrikins. He's sure Benny Johnson, Alan Didak, and Swanee, you know, they're they're the four that sort of spring to mind and they just had great energy. they were very good for the group in many respects. I know they probably did a lot of things off field in terms of you know going out and all that type of thing that might be a bit more frowned upon these days. But um, yeah, you know, when they were there, they worked incredibly hard and um, they were. They a...
0: earned that time to go to the pub.
1: Well, they did, and look, most players do. To be honest, yeah, I think absolutely. they were just on a different level, and they they were a group that really helped drive um, the club towards a premiership in 2010.
0: Yeah, nah, for sure. And what about a Gold Coast? Was there a certain player or players?
1: Oh, no, not that fit into the pest category. Um, but again, you know, like fortunate enough, I've got a really good relationship with Tom Lynch, um, got a good relationship with Stephen May. Um, Charlie Dixon was there at the time. He went to Port Adelaide. Jager Amira was there. David yep. Scott was still up there. Um, so, yeah, built really strong relationships with some of those guys. Um and then you know Campbell Brown's one of my favourite people in footy. Um, yeah. He's he's a larrikin, um, but he's got great energy. I sort of enjoy his company. Um, so there's a couple there, but um, yeah, in terms of, I guess you got to remember they were such a young group as well. So they've, yeah. they've probably <laughs> they've probably developed into into um, pests now.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair. That's honestly fair enough. Um, who was the best sledger? Don't need to mention the sledge that they said um, if it's not safe. But, um, you know, who was, you know, you know you'd always be hearing it a bit of this every
1: game. Best sledger. Jeez, um, it's a tough one. Like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I got sledged a lot. And if I did, I didn't really didn't really register with me. Um, so, yeah, I'm not... That's, that's a that's a difficult one. I, no one springs to mind. Yeah. Okay.
0: Was there any teammate, uh, whether at Collingwood or Gold Coast, that you knew had a good sledge on them?
1: Um, Nick Maxwell wasn't too bad. Nick oh, he
0: seems like it. He gave off that yeah. vibe.
1: Yeah. yeah, he was okay. And look, he used to... Because he used to cop it a bit himself and yeah. he was always prepared to dish it out again. So, yeah, he wasn't wasn't too bad yeah no that's cool
0: that's cool um wrapping it up we've got a few uh, just a few quick more uh, a few more quick topics um after you finished up you i'm um, i'm probably pronouncing this wrong but tatty probably <laughs> yeah. probably re- probably saying that wrong um uh, yeah. fc you won a premiership with them in 2018 what was it like
1: yeah <laughs> yeah it was it was fun i mean When I retired, the last thing I wanted to do was play footy. Um, So um, my first season out of retirement, I I went back and played at Mansfield. So I had a couple of mates up there that twisted my arm and probably the best thing I ever did. So I sort of felt like I'd gone full circle playing junior footy, coming through and having an AFL career and then finishing at Mansfield. And then when I got to Carlton, um, a good friend of mine, Matthew Pell, who was in the high-performance area, Somehow or another, he convinced me to go down to Tattyoon and play a few games with him. Yeah. Um, I never heard of Tattyoon. and had no idea where it was. Um, I never
0: heard of him until now either. <laughs>
1: yeah, so, um, but it's Tattyoon's literally, um, I remember driving down there for the first game and in the car with Pelly. And um, I remember we didn't know where we were. We were just in these fields, like in open paddocks, you know, big acreage. And um, Pelly rings the president of the footy club and said, mate, we think we're on the right track, but where are we? Where's this town? He said, no, nah, there's no town, mate. He said, what road are you on? We told him. He said, keep driving 5K down the road. He said, on the left-hand side, you'll see a big paddock with some machinery in it. And on the right-hand side, there'll be a footy ground. That's and- a
0: straight-up country team for sure. And that
1: was, And that was that was Tatyoon. Um yeah. so I think I played six or eight games there. We won a premiership. Um, again, like the community um, side of... Those types of footy clubs yeah. are just unbelievable. So great people. Um, unfortunately, I'm living in Melbourne, working full-time with Carlton. Couldn't spend the time I would like to have spent there and just got around a few more people and be there yeah. a bit more often. But um, they embraced myself and um, and Matty Pell, and we had a good time. It was good fun.
0: Now, that's awesome to hear. Um, um, now, two more topics I've got. Who was the toughest opponent to go up against? Whether it was for strength or skill or, you know, who would, who would that have been for you?
1: Um, so, Dean, Dean Cox was a difficult opponent. Um, I I remember in my first couple of years, too, I was rucking against players like Scott Wine, uh, Paul Salmon. Spider
0: Everett,
1: even? Yeah, Matty Primus, Spider Everett, Johnny Barnes. You know, there was a, a heap of them. Um, Massive crop. Yeah, and they were they all probably 15, 20 kilos on me, <laughs> <laughs> That was a oh. challenge, um, but Dean Cox was a super player. The one who I enjoyed playing against, who wasn't a traditional ruckman, was Adam Goods. I think yeah. he had a year where he won a Brownlow, basically playing as a as a ruck slash another on baller. Um And his ability to run and cover the ground, I sort of enjoyed playing on him. Um He's yeah,
0: but like he challenged you personally as a player, sort of thing.
1: Yeah, he was just different. He was a hard to match up. He you know he was athletic. He could jump. He ran, and that's probably the way I like to play a bit too. I wasn't dominant in the hitouts, but I like to get around the ground a bit. Um, yeah. But I just thought that he was a fantastic player, Adam Goods, and um, he always you know, for that year or 18 months he played in the ruck, he was a really challenging matchup.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, and my last question is, who do you think is the dark horse? Not necessarily the smoky, like the shoe-in for the grand final, but who do you think if we should keep our eye on at the moment to probably make the grand final?
1: Oh... Um, I think I like how Brisbane are going about it. I think mm-hmm. their midfield's deep. I think their uh, forward line with Hipwood and and Danaher looks pretty potent. um Charlie Cameron can kick goals.
0: Mitch Robinson's on fire.
1: Robinson's playing well, so I, I don't mind the lines. I still I still think Port Adelaide have got another gear. Um, I think they're playing great footy at the moment, but I think Kenny Hinkley's a great coach and I think they've got a pretty good list and still think they've got some scope. Um, they're probably the two, but right now you'd have to, I don't know, Ge- Geelong, are a, Geelong are an interesting one. I mean, look at Hawkins and Cameron um, in that front half. That's um, that's a pretty pretty dangerous forward line. So I'm probably sitting on the fence a bit, but um, yeah, there's three teams there that apart from the obvious ones in the doggies in Melbourne, um, yeah. there's three teams that I think are going to be pretty dangerous.
0: Now that's fair enough. And last topic I've got is what is your personal highlight looking back on your career?
1: Uh, um, oh, the, the grand finals. So Oh two and Oh three, having got the chance to play in them mm-hmm. 2010s, a highlight just being at the club. Um, you know, disappointed. I wasn't a part of it, of course, but you know, um, being there as a high major
0: part sort of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, you when you're at a place for 11 years, you know, you are connected to it. And you know, Collingwood, I feel like is my footy club, and it's my home. It's where I played most of my footy, so I do feel connected to that. Um, and then. Probably the um, playing for Victoria in the Hall of Fame match in 2007, I think. Yeah, a lot, that would have been awesome. You know, that was that was an individual highlight as well. Um, but I really just being able to have a little bit of longevity in in the game as a player. Um, but the game's been really good to me. Like I'm thankful to have been a part of it. I'd love to think I can be a part of it for a lot longer. Um, coaching's a real passion of mine now, so I want to ch- try and take that as far as I can um Can we see you as one of
0: sometime in the next ten years? You as a coach for Collingwood, you reckon? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know what what it all holds. I mean, at the moment, I'm you know coaching the the Bullants in the VFL, um and you know, i guess off the back of this year, I'll start to navigate a, another path, or and the next step might be to stay at the Bullants. I'm not sure, but there might be other opportunities that open up, but. Um, yeah, I'm sort of pretty driven around the coaching side of things, and I'd like to see where that can go. Um, but you know, the landscape at AFL AFL level with COVID and the soft cap caps and cats and all the things like that, it makes it it makes it um, a little bit more uncertain than what it once was. But um, yeah, still very passionate about footy and thankful to have some longevity in the Again, game.
0: I want to thank you very much for joining me on the final tucker podcast. Um, Is there anything you would, or anyone or any um, organization or business that you would like to plug at, at the moment for the end of the episode?
1: No, not specifically. No, but um, I appreciate that opportunity. Um, No, as I said, like, thanks for having me on. I sort of enjoyed talking and reflecting a little bit on my time in footy. Um, And yeah, look, hopefully uh, you know, COVID stays away, footy at community level, and we can get back to normal. But um, no, I appreciate you having me on, mate. And um, yeah, hopefully the Pies can rebound pretty quickly and get back up the ladder.